Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. The grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus be with all of you who belong today. And in case you're wondering, that's all of you. As we step even a third week into this conversation about what it means to belong, here's the liberating good news. You do. You belong in the beloved community. And I want to encourage you to turn with me now in your Bibles to two places. And as you're turning there, I want you to turn first to Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to be reading primarily from Second Peter chapter 1. But then I also want you to, to find your way to Hebrews chapter 5. And hold that place in the middle of the sermon. We're going to be moving over to Hebrews 5. But we begin in 2 Peter 1. And as you're turning here in your Bibles or on your devices to 2 Peter 1, I would encourage those who are worshiping with us in our family life center, the rest of our church family, to also turn in your scriptures to the same place as we enter into a time of study of God's holy word. And as we are studying, by the way, let's also be prayerful, be mindful of our students who are on their way home from a big retreat, their fall retreats. We have a massive number of teenagers and adults who are on two charter buses making their way home, and they should arrive sometime in the middle of worship. So they'll roll up onto the parking lots outside, and we pray for their safe journey home. But for now, listen to these words from 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us every great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. 
Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of the reading of the sacred word, it's reliable and it can be trusted. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, it is to you that we bend just now. It is to you that we submit our mind and our heart and our way of life. We confess to you that we've come to this moment from a variety of moments this week. And each of us gathered in this place and all of us gathered in this place. We come with our own baggage we come to lay before you everything that is good and right and noble and pure and just and holy and at the same time, we come to lay before you everything that is not those things. And we, your worshipers, have gathered to love you today. But to love you not in word only. We have gathered to love you by relinquishing our will to yours. Even in the reading of this sacred word, Lord, we, we pray that your spirit would so speak to us that something may shift in the soul. Speak to us in a way that transforms the mind and, and the heart so that when we leave this place, we look more like you. We talk more like you. We love more like you. Because we've come to this sanctuary, this safe place from a broken world. But we bring our confession that we are among those who are breaking it. Show us this day how to repair your world by simply allowing you to live through us. Your people are listening. We, your people, are waiting. Speak now. In the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So about three or four weeks ago, I went to the doctor. Hadn't been in about three years. Yeah, it's not good advice. I don't recommend that. Hadn't been in about three years and had to go for a checkup, a physical. And, and so you do the things you do. You walk in. You, you go back behind to the exam area. And the nurse does what she does. She weighs you, tells you how you're doing there. And she measures your height, see how you're doing there. She says, step on this platform, please, and, and I'm going to measure your height. So no problem. I step on the platform. Heels against the wall, stand up straight. The little metal thing comes down on my head, clank. She says, okay, very good. Five foot eleven and a half. I said, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa. Could, I'm, I'm six foot one. That's not funny. I said, I'm six foot one. And, and she said, well, no, it measured five eleven and a half. And I said, I don't mean to disrespect you. I don't, I don't want to do this thing here. But I've been... 
I've been six foot one my entire adult life. And she said, would you like me to measure again? I said, let's. <laughs> so this time, heels against the wall, and I stood up so straight. I elongated my spine. I looked like, Michael looked like a Marine. I was, I was so straight, I was as tall as I could. She said, this time, she said, oh, okay, yes, okay, okay. Five, 11 and a half. <laughs> yeah. I said, I don't understand how that's possible. And she said, these words. Well, this can happen when we age. <laughs> so I'm going to a new doctor next week, and one that'll tell me what I need to hear. It did provoke a question because apparently I'm getting older. Apparently the spine can sometimes begin to, to creep down and you actually shrink. Well, it made me think about some things. I wonder, when it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to your faith life, are you still growing? When it comes to our spiritual walk, the, the daily practice of love, uh, the, the daily um, maturing in the soul, the aging of the heart, are you still growing or are you plateauing or is it possible that you've begun to shrink? The Christ life is intended to be a life that never stops growing. When you say yes to Christ, you are saying yes to a lifetime of perpetual transformation, of growth, of constant becoming. We used to say it around here this way, didn't we? In Christ, there's never what? Not a next. There is always a new place to go. Wherever you are, that's not where you stay in Christ because Christ is always calling you further and deeper. Christ is calling you to believe more deeply and to love more widely. And every day that we wake from the rising of the sun until the very setting of the same, if you walk with Christ, you will grow. So you are either growing or you're not walking with Christ. So you and I, for the last three weeks, we have been talking about this new series called Be. And what we've been saying is there's a way to understand what it means to belong to the church. We've been talking about what it means to belong there. And we've been saying that, hey, for a long time, the church in the world has gotten it, well, kind of backwards. For about 500 years, we've put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. We have said that, hey, if you believe the right things and then if you learn to behave the right ways, then you can belong to us. But the truth is, and we've been imagining what it might look like to reverse that paradigm because the truth is, in the mind of Christ, the design of the church was originally the opposite, that you belong first. Not because of who you are, what you've done, not because of what you've accomplished, or what you know, but you belong because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And as one who belongs, then over time you begin to behave because of your belonging. 
And as you behave, you begin to espouse some beliefs that you hold strongly because you've lived in the context of his beloved grace. We've talked about the church this way, that it is a gathering of imperfect people with unfinished stories. That means that even in your imperfection, you belong. Even in your unfinished business, you belong. We've talked about it this way. Last week, we talked about the church as a beloved community of radical inclusion. You are welcome here. But now, comma, it is not for no reason. You belong. That's great news. Next subject. The next subject is this. You belong for a purpose. You belong not for no reason, not to simply take up space or to sit in one pew, but rather to become something you never imagined possible. Because when you say yes to belonging to this beloved community of radical inclusion, it means that when you belong, something happens within you. And every day that you're alive, that something keeps on happening. You become more and more like the very one who has welcomed you. And this passage that we read just a moment ago in a beautiful way describes what it looks like to live a long life full of growing in which you never stop growing. The first verse was in chapter 2, verse 3. We heard these words, His divine power has given us everything we need. For a godly life through our knowledge of him who, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you realize that the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ, I mean the moment you come to a, a, a moment or a point in your journey when you cease living for yourself and you begin to live for him. When you come to a place where you say, you know, I am tired of being my own God I am tired of living under my own authority, but I submit my life to the authority of your love. And my way of life will no longer be what I script, but it will be your way of life. Well, the moment you do that, you immediately, in that moment, have access to everything you could possibly need to live a life of growth and perpetual maturing and beauty in Christ. It may not be that you know how to access it. It may not be that you know how to live out of it because even those who are new Christians, it may take a while to learn how to walk in the light. But the moment that you say yes, you have access to what Ephesians 3 verse 8 refers to as the boundless riches of Jesus Christ. What are the boundless riches? An eternal storehouse of grace and mercy and compassion and reconciliation and peacemaking and love. And that's good news for those who live in a war-stricken world, right? You have right now all that you will ever need in its fullest measure. It's learning to access it that makes all the difference. The next verse continues through these, through what? Through the boundless riches of Jesus Christ. He has given us his great and precious promises. And here's the, the clincher. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. 
having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, that you may participate in the divine nature. Do you know why you belong? You belong not just to be here, but you belong to participate. When I was in college, we were in a gospel choir. And we would go from church to church, mostly African-American congregations. We'd go and we'd sing and we'd have a great time. But the director of the choir at the beginning of every concert had the same speech. He'd stand up to a packed house and he would say, now we've not come to entertain you. He would say, we didn't charge you a ticket on the way in. He'd follow that up usually with, now last night was Saturday night and there's a thin line between Saturday night and Sunday morning, but you need to know we didn't charge you a cover charge to get in here this morning. So we're not going to entertain you, and you are not here to watch or spectate or observe, he would then say. You are here to participate in the holy event of worship. The truth is, in Jesus Christ, we're not called to spectate. We're not called to simply watch or observe. We are called to participate. Well, to participate in what? Well, yeah, the programs of the church, those are great. Participate in choir, yeah. Participate in youth and children's ministry, yeah. Participate in Sunday school and missions. Participate in a women's banquet tonight. Participate, yes, in those things. But you need to know that all of those participations, all the programs of the church are simply pathways to the great participation that we're talking about in Second Peter. Because when he says you are called, you, are, you belong in order to participate, he's talking about participating in the divine nature. What does it mean to participate in the divine nature? Just this, let's not forget that you are created in the image of God. That right now in you is the imprint of the Holy One. In you right now, coursing through your very existence is the DNA of the divine. And that thing that is true about you is true about everyone on the planet, even our arch enemies. And it may be that we can't recognize the holy imprint of God in ourselves or sometimes in our enemies, but it doesn't change the truth that it is there. You are born in the image of God. And, and it's, it's, no, it's no news to, to declare to you that sometimes we live estranged from that divine nature that divine imprint that God has upon us, you and I know how to be estranged from that, separated from that, and I don't have to explain to you how that's possible because you know we become estranged from that part of who we are through our sin and our rebellion and our decisions to live out of our ego and out of ourself rather than living submitted before the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you know that. In fact, you don't have to come to church and the church reminds you of what it is that separates you from that holy and divine nature. My guess is you know about it the same way I know about it. I look in the mirror and I know what separates me. But do you know what reunites you? Do you know what reconciles you? Do you know that it's the point, the whole point of the gospel message is that Jesus came to close the gap to bridge the chasm between the human nature and the divine nature. 
I love what Colossians 1 says about it. He says that in Jesus Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and in him God was pleased to reconcile the world back to himself. Isn't that beautiful? And the reason Jesus came is to reunite the human nature and the divine nature that is in you. To the extent that you awaken by salvation to the awareness of his mystifying nearness. And in becoming aware of the mystifying nearness of God's presence in your own life, guess what it does? It, it liberates you, frees you to live out of that character and that nature. It frees you to actually become everything that God had hoped you might become when God breathed you into existence. And you say to me, yeah, I hear you, Sean, you're talking about divine nature and human nature, but there's none of that in me. And you're saying the divine nature, you're talking about the holy imprint of God, the divine DNA, yes, in theory it works, but it, I've not seen it in years. And maybe you've gone years without recognizing it in you. Maybe you've gone years without pursuing it or cultivating it or living out of that thing that Jesus came to reveal. But it doesn't change the truth that it's there. I think that's why this writer talks about being freed from the corruption that has kept us from it. He talks about we are now free from the corruption of this world. See, the corruption that keeps us distant from an intimate relationship on the interior with Christ I think when Paul talks about this thing that I'm talking about here, you know what Paul says? Paul says, it's like this. Yes, it's in you. It's in you. Well, that, was, that was Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay, is, is it in you? It is it in you? Yeah. But Paul said, it is in you. It's a treasure in, in clay jars. In, in another place, he said, this treasure that's in you, in, in your clay jar, it's Christ. In you, the hope of glory. Later on, Jesus even talks about, Jesus describes it. And when Jesus talks about the thing that I'm talking about here, you know what he says? He says it's like a, it's like a, a treasure buried in a field. It's like a pearl of great price. And when you find it, you're willing to sell everything that you have in order to acquire that pearl so that you can lay your hands on it and hold it and embrace it. That. Is what it means to participate in the divine nature. This is why we sing about it. You know what the, what the choir sang a moment ago here in this room. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Because every morning that I wake is a, a potential day in which I walk farther along with he who has not only welcomed me to belong but is attempting to deepen me and widen me. New mercies I see. This is why in the contemporary worship service this morning, Adam and the band opened up with a song by Need to Breathe called Multiplied. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain. Is that beautiful or what? 
And this is the good news that we're reading. You have been called to belong, not just to be here, but to actually participate in the beautiful diamonds that are bursting forth within us. This week we have all been praying for the California wildfires, but I saw a video that came across of some, some guy's backyard, and here's this tree, and it's on fire from the inside. Take a look at this picture. I mean, we, I know we can push metaphors too far, but can I get you to just think about that for just a moment? Look at the, the burning fire at the interior of the tree, and I just want to provoke the possibility that have you recognized for some time now, have you been able to live in the reality that in you can be a burning fire of radiance and passion and aliveness in Christ. This is what it means to participate in the divine nature. Yeah. So you belong in order to participate. But you participate in order to become. The text that we read continues on in verse 8. For this very reason. Well, for what reason? For the participating in the holy and divine nature. For this very reason, make every effort, watch this, to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what's going on in that verse. That's what I'd like to refer to this morning as, as a virtue stack. A virtue stack. It was a literary device common among all writers in the first century. And it's not uncommon in the New Testament. It's, it takes a virtue and says, hey, if you master this virtue, you can build upon it and add another virtue. And once you have those two down and under your belt, then you can add another virtue. So we have the list here again. It begins with faith. And what the writer is saying is, look, you have faith, but let that grow into goodness and let that grow into knowledge and let that grow into self-control and so forth. Right? It's a virtue stack. In the New Testament, there are other examples of virtue stacks. Can I give you just one or two to, to kind of frame what I'm talking about? One of the favorite ones is in Romans chapter 5. We hear this virtue stack. And not only that, he says, but we also boast in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. You see what he's doing there, right? He's stacking virtues. Another is in James chapter 1, we read these words, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. See, a virtue stack is nothing new in the New Testament. What is the point of a virtue stack? What is the point of, of what's happening here in 2 Peter? The point is this. Don't stop growing. Don't stop moving. That in the faith that we have through Jesus Christ, 
There is never not a next. Where you are is not where you are meant to stay. Whatever you have, add to it, cultivate it. And maybe the key is in the verse that we read next. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive and so forth. But the key phrase in that verse is, if you have these things in increasing measure, in other words, put the stack back up there, Gene. If you start with faith, it's not enough to just simply say, you got to have faith. But do you have faith in increasing measure? In other words, leave that up there for just a minute. Where you are today, when you evaluate your spiritual well-being today and compare it to where it was one year ago today, has your faith increased? Has your goodness swelled? Has your knowledge deepened? Has your self-control become stronger see each of these is important to have but the writer says it's not an, it's not enough to just check it off a box oh yeah i got that i had faith good i answered all the right questions done oh yeah i have goodness i'm, I'm a relatively good guy so check no the point is movement and momentum and motion in jesus christ you were called to never stop growing but there is this call forward that you increasingly grow in all of these virtues, right? You're called to belong. But in belonging, you participate in the divine nature, yes. But you participate in the divine nature in order to become something. Are you increasing with each step of your faith journey? Are you growing in increasing measure? The next line says, but whoever does not, whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting what they have been, that they've been cleansed from their past sins. So here's the virtue stack. If you're in Christ, you're to grow and never stop growing. So cultivate it, seek it. You, you unabashedly belong so that you can passionately pursue all those things we just read about. But if you don't, the text says, it's like you're, like you're nearsighted. It's like, you're, like you don't see the big picture. And what is the big picture? That beloved sisters and brothers, you are invited into an eternal journey of growth. It doesn't stop when you die. The growth that begins when you say yes to Jesus Christ perpetually continues on past your death into perpetuity. But if you don't cultivate it and pursue it, it's as if you're only seeing for right now. So you belong in order to participate. You participate in order to become, in order to grow perpetually in Christ. But here's the rub. If you want to grow, you can't grow if you don't eat. You can't grow if you don't eat. Which brings us to the next passage that I told you to hold there in your Bible, right? Because here's this anonymous author of the book of Hebrews, and he's writing to this church because he knows this church. He has helped establish this church. He taught them all the basics of what it meant to start out your journey in Christ. But then he goes away for a while. And when he comes back, he recognizes that none of them have grown up. 
I mean, they've gotten older, which means that when they go to the doctor, they get shorter. But none of them in the soul have continued to grow. So he hits them with some seriously uh, convicting words right here in chapter 5. He says, for by this time, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Yes, you need someone to teach you again the basic elements of the oracles of God. And then the most stunning, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is unskilled and in the word of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. The the word is milk or solid food. I remember when our boys were babies and they were living on a basic diet of milk. And granted, Laura did most of the work in those days. But whenever I would take a bottle and heat it up and test it to make sure that it was the right temperature, we'd feed the kids and they'd be fine. They'd be content. But then there was a period of time I remember in between milk and their next graduation into digestive success (laughs) in which we helped bridge the gap a little bit they weren't sleeping well at night they'd get up in the middle of the night which meant that we got up in the middle of the night so you know what we did we took some advice from an older generation and we we gave them some whiskey no we gave no 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 We sprinkled in some cereal, cereal, little flakes of cereal in their milk, which gave it a little bit more substance, and then their digestive system began to adapt to it, and and with something heavy on their belly, they slept through the night, and it was great. That wasn't the only trick we used. When they slept at night and weren't supposed to yet, a good cold rag does the trick, just saying, But they would eat and be content. But the point is, they did not go from milk to T-bone steak. There was a natural evolution. There was a natural growth period. But by the same token, once they began eating T-bone steaks, they stopped drinking the baby formula. Right? The question for us today is, what is the primary eating plan for your spiritual soul what 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 is it that is primarily on your soul's menu is it milk or solid food because we can talk all day long in the church about how the church ought to set up a menu that provides enough of the different kinds of meals for both babies and those who have matured in christ yes I mean, we could do milk and T-bone steak and everything in between. We can, and we do. In fact, we could talk to you about how there are opportunities for you in large group settings now in two venues. Uh, If you prefer traditional or if you prefer contemporary, there's a way for you to to nourish through worship. But if you want to sprinkle in a little bit of cereal in the milk, there we go. If you want to sprinkle a little cereal in the milk, 
There are small group opportunities. You can join a Sunday school class. You can join a small group. You could be a part of a prayer group. In fact, you know what's hot off the press today? This morning, we began a new, new, new term in our Sunday school ministry. That means if somebody is hungry for something more than milk, you can join a Sunday school community. And I just want you to, to hear the number of in-depth studies of Scripture that are offered in our Sunday school communities. Listen to this. There's an in-depth study of Revelation, which, by the way, has no S at the end. The book of Revelation, pastor's pet peeve, right? There's the book of Revelation. There's the book of John. There's uh, Isaiah. You could study Thessalonians, which does have an S at the end. You can study James. There's a new one called The Modern Ten Commandments. There's one called In the Fullness of Time, The Full Story of the Messiah. There's one on Job about suffering and choice. There's one on John and Luke and Ephesians and Mark and Corinthians and the basics of theology. If that is something that you have never been exposed to uh, or there is the study of the life and times of Jesus or Who May Abide in This House, which is a study of one psalm, Psalm 15. And there's also a study on the extraordinary women of the Bible. And this is just this nine weeks. That means in ten weeks there's another variation, which means there is food to eat. If we wanted to, we could talk about milk. We could talk about milk with some cereal in it. We could talk about T-bone steak. And I could talk to you about not what happens in this room or in the Family Life Center nor in our Sunday school communities, but I could talk about what happens in your chair at home when you wake up in the morning. And we could talk all day about spiritual practices and disciplines that get you up in the morning. We could talk about prayer practices. What kind of prayer? A prayer walk, a silent prayer, a centering prayer. We could talk about praying the scriptures. We could talk about a reading plan that gets you through the scriptures in a way that you never thought possible before. We could talk about journaling. There is no end to the number of menu items available for the body of Christ to grow. But none of them will matter. If a person is not hungry and thirsty enough to eat. Are you hungry for milk or solid food? Mark Benson tells the story about his little girl who at dinner one night left about seven green beans on her plate. They would finish with their meal, but she left about seven green beans. And most nights, he let that go. Most nights, he would just kind of not argue with it and just move right on. But that night, he said, honey, you need to finish your green beans. You got about seven left. I'm full. No, you're not full. You can eat those seven green beans. I see them. I count them. Let's count them together. She said, no, daddy, I'm, I'm full. I'm full like up to the top. I'm about to pop. And the dad said, you're not about to pop. But then he thought to himself, I tell you what, uh, you, we have pumpkin pie. How would you like a big slice of pumpkin pie, a big piece of pumpkin pie with maybe two dollops of whipped cream on top? And she said, oh, I'd like that very much. And he said, well, how are you going to eat it if you're full? And then she stood up on her chair and she said, no, 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 daddy, daddy, see, this is my vegetable stomach, and this is my meat stomach, and they're both full, but my dessert stomach is empty. You know. 
There is plenty of food to eat, beloved sisters and brothers. The question is, are you hungry and thirsty? The words of our Lord come back to us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The word there means right things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right things, for they shall be filled. Let's pray together. God, we recognize that we are called to a life that never stops growing. We recognize when we yield our lives before you, we know that you're calling us on a journey. You're not calling us to become stagnant. You're not calling us to somehow graduate. And yet you call us to never stop expanding, never stop deepening in our, in our faith nor widening in our, our love. We recognize that there are seasons in which we, we allow that divine nature that is uh, desiring to come awake and alive within us. There are days when we let it lie dormant. There are days when we ignore it, when we don't cultivate it, we don't pursue it. But show us this day that we belong in order to participate in the beauty of your divine nature, so that we might, by your grace, become something we never imagined possible, that we may live and think and speak and behave and exist like you did with everyone we meet. Even now, Lord, as decisions are made, as, as, we, as we consider in our hearts and minds how to respond to this message of grace that we have heard, show somebody today the courage instilled within them. Let it come alive as they respond. As they respond. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.